0: How can we make this case? Well, one way we can do it is to point out to people that there's no essential difference between the embryos you once were and the adults you are today
1: that would justify killing you at that earlier stage.
2: Arguments cannot be religious or non-religious. Arguments can either be valid or invalid, or sound or unsound. The substance view is the idea that from when you come into existence of fertilization until you die naturally, you are the same individual at every point in your life. So if it is wrong to kill you now, it was wrong to kill you then. Greetings, and welcome to Pro-Life Thinking, a Life Training Institute podcast in which we'll talk about the abortion issue and larger issues related to bioethics in a way that's winsome, reasonable, and persuasive. I'm Clinton Wilcox, your host, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Aaron Brake and Nathan Epidocca. Now, we're advocates and voices for the unborn with Life Training Institute, whose mission is to equip pro-life advocates to graciously and persuasively defend their pro-life views in the marketplace of ideas and in our culture. And we believe in the radical idea that it's wrong to kill innocent human beings, whether born or unborn, and we're here to equip you to defend that idea in a culture that celebrates a woman's right to choose. So... Since this is our, our very first podcast, I figured we'd have Aaron, Nathan, and myself just kind of introduce ourselves a little bit, talk about you know what we do in the, the pro-life field or some of our, our interests might be. So you can get to know us a little bit, and then we'll go on from there. So uh, my name is Clinton, and I've been with the Life Training Institute now for probably about two and a half years, I think. I uh, live in the uh, Central Valley in California, and uh, much of what I do for LTI is a lot of online stuff, like I'll answer questions submitted through the website. I will uh, I'll, write articles for the blog. Uh, we've we've uh, started up this this podcast that we're doing. Uh, I also do speaking for LTI. In fact, I have, uh, I'm going to be uh, involved in a debate with Matt Dillahunty uh, in Dallas, Texas in September, uh, September 8th, I believe, at the Bible and Beer Consortium. So kind of be on the uh, on the lookout for that. Uh, aside from that, I'm a, a classically trained musician. I performed in several uh, college and high school uh, concert bands, uh, symphonic bands, and even an orchestra. Uh, so that's, um, that, that kind of takes up Uh, the bulk of what I do aside from, from my work in the pro-life field. So yeah, without further ado, we'll go ahead and have uh, Aaron talk about himself a little bit here.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Quinn. Aaron break. I did my BA in criminal justice, Uh, did my MA in Christian apologetics at Biola university. I graduated there in 2011. I've worked in law enforcement for the last 15 years, live in Southern California. Third time. I enjoy uh, reading, writing, uh, powerlifting, With uh, LTI, I think I've been with them for a little over a year, uh, do some writing, a little bit of speaking. I will also have a pro-life seminar coming up uh, on June 11th at Hosanna Christian Fellowship in Bellflower. So, looking forward to that and um, speak at church and uh, youth assemblies and and schools on other uh, general apologetic issues. So, yeah, I'm honored to uh, be part of the LTI team and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, great.
2: Um, how about Nathan?
0: Hey, guys. Uh, good to be with you. Uh, I'm
1: Nathan Apodaca. I'm currently the president of Students for Life chapter at California State University, San Marcos, in the San Diego area. I am the newest member of the LCI team, joined back at the end of last year, and have begun do, uh, teaching seminars, writing on the blog, and then doing this podcast. And I will also be teaching a seminar in Newport Beach this Friday at 7 p.m. Um, And then also doing some other work with other organizations. I write with Campus Reform, uh, which is run by the Leadership Institute, Uh, more of a journalism style writing. And I also do some work with Prager University and their Prager Force program, uh, promoting them and helping share the ideas that are promoted by Prager University.
2: Yeah, great. Uh, Yeah, Prager University produces uh, quality videos. Uh, Some of my uh, personal he- heroes have uh, done videos for Prager, you Nathan, for one. Uh, yeah. uh, you know Robert George and uh, Dennis Prager himself. In fact, is a really really smart guy. So uh, enjoy enjoy watching those videos. Now, uh, ordinarily the three of us kind of live in in different areas of California, but we've kind of been brought together here into the same uh, same area for a, a common cause. A justice for All is is here in in the Los Angeles area uh, doing outreach at UCLA. And if you're not familiar with, with Justice for All, I would greatly encourage you to uh, to seek out their seminars and outreaches because they specialize in training pro-life people how to make the pro-life case effectively and persuasively. And they're kind of how I got my start in the, the pro-life field as well. Uh, basically, their, their uh, model is in three steps. It, um, they call it the feet work, the seat work, and the repeat work. And you know, they had to make it rhyme. So the uh, first step is the seat work, where you sit in the, the seminar, they'll, uh, they'll basically train you in the, uh, to make the pro-life argument and how to respond to uh, the best pro-choice arguments, because they really believe in treating people who disagree with us with respect. Uh, and so they, they take their ideas seriously and respond to those. And so um, this, the seminar is also interactive. So you're not just sitting and listening to, to them talk for a few hours, but they'll actually uh, take you into mentor groups and have you actually um, actually practice and talk through some of the some of the ideas they talk about in the seminar. The second step is to actually take you out onto a college campus and then actually have you interact with with pro-choice people. So the seminar is kind of practice gearing you up for that. Uh, step two is is where they actually take you out onto a college campus so that you can actually talk to pro-choice people in a in a uh, you know, a semi-controlled environment. You'll have the, the the mentors nearby. That if you if you get stuck or you're not sure where to go, you can actually bring them in, so that there's no pressure on you to to you know to have to talk to, to these people all by yourself. And so all of this is kind of preparing you for the third step, which is what they call the repeat work. And what that basically means is just that you take what you've learned at the seminar and the outreach, and then you apply that into your own personal life. Talk to people in your own your own sphere of influence, whether it be at work, at school. Uh, at church, uh, your friends, your family, wh- whomever. So, yeah, the JFA model is one that I greatly respect, I greatly appreciate, and so uh, seek them out if they're ever in your area. Now, uh, Nathan is actually is actually undergoing a little bit of, of a situation and event uh, at his college in uh, CSU San Marcos. I'll, I'll just uh, kind of have Nathan talk to you about that because I'm not sure what he's uh, what he's able to share or not. So, yeah, Nathan, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what's going on at your, at your campus?
1: Yeah, well, to sum it up, the issue that came up was we found that our university, CSU San Marcos, was unfairly allocating funds for only a particular viewpoint. Uh, What will happen is schools will collect what's called a student activity fee. It's kind of a tax, in a way, on students. They have to pay this every semester. And it's collected by the student government, and they will disperse it for uh, student groups, student activities, hence the name student activity fee. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll do it for other things as well, helping uh, keep the library open during finals and what have you there. But what happened was they would collect the fees, but they would, only, they would give uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to the various social justice centers set up by the uh, student government. So you have the LGBTQ Pride Center, the Gender Equity Center, uh, the Cross-Cultural Center, and a few others. And so they would get hundreds of thousands of dollars, while the other 100 uh, student groups on campus, so fraternities, sororities, athletic clubs, political clubs, and special interest groups like Students for Life, we requested funding at all. We could only get up to $500 per semester, and the student government would tell us how we could use the funds. The social justice centers, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that they got could be used in any way that they pleased. And so. We really think it's outrageous for any university, uh, especially a university like Cal State San Marcos that calls itself one that tolerates individual and cultural diversity, multiple perspectives and wants everybody to share their views equally to force students to pay for the viewpoints they disagree with, but also deny them the right to present their own views equally. And that's exactly what Cal State is doing. And so. Uh, Kind of the whole purpose is, and unfortunately nationwide, a lot of universities have become, gone from a marketplace of ideas to a seller's market of single ideology, which is very dangerous and very, uh, it's very harmful to the students that are going through there. It's, um, It's kind of scamming them in a way. It's getting them to pay for something that's not going to benefit them at all. And it's only going to benefit a select few, since students are going to be tomorrow's legislators, judges, commissioners, and voters. And they need to understand uh, the important topics of the day, like abortion or like human sexuality or like ethics. Yeah. And uh, the school is denying them the ability to learn about those equally. Yeah. Yeah. um, A Students for Life
2: group at uh, Fresno State is kind of going through a similar situation where their uh, free speech has been taken away. And so I'm trying to get one of their members onto our podcast in the future to talk about their situation as well. Uh, I'm just waiting to hear back from their lawyers. So, uh, So look for that in a, on a future uh, podcast, hopefully coming up soon. Uh,
1: just just to clarify, uh, we did try um, where the $500 came from was we applied for $500 uh, to help cover Dr. Adams' speaking piece. He's a really great pro-life speaker and uh, First Amendment advocate for those in the audience who have never heard of him. And uh, all three of us at this table hate him, by the way. We all hate Mike Adams.
3: Um, (laughs) Right, yeah, I hate that guy.
1: Yeah, (laughs) most hated professor in the United States. But no, he's a really great guy. really cares about students and student rights. So we thought he'd be a really good person to come out to speak to the campus on the case for life and help maybe change some people's minds on the abortion issue. Well, the school denied it, saying that they do not pay for uh, outside speakers, but the social justice centers get to use their money, provided by the same source of funding, the student activity fees for speakers as well. So they get to have speakers, but we don't. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, what happened. So we'd like to bring him out in the fall. And so we're fundraising right now to uh, cover the rest of the funds that we need.
2: So I'm going to place the uh, press release for the Alliance Defending Freedom um, uh, in the show notes. so You can read more about that. And then I'm also going to post the link to the GoFundMe account where if you feel so led, you can donate money to get Mike Adams out to CSU San Marcos to give a, a, present, a presentation to the, the college students there. So you'll be able to find those in the notes. Okay, so considering that this is our our, uh, our flagship um, journey here, our, our very first episode, we, we decided it would be appropriate to talk about why exactly we want to talk about the issue of abortion, because it is a contentious topic. It's something that's controversial. It's one that you might not consider to be a polite conversation at the dinner table or at work. And so why exactly are we talking about abortion? So that's what we're going to uh, to discuss here. Now, uh, there are actually three main reasons why we, why we've decided that we should be talking about abortion. Uh, and, and then we're going to talk about each of those three individually. The so first is because the stakes are so high. The second is because a persuasive logical defense for the pro-life position is rarely heard. And the third is because the great commission requires us to do so. Now the, this first reason, because the stakes are so high, um, abortion is actually, uh, the, if, if not the most common surgical procedure in America, it's one of the most common surgical procedures in America. Um, there There are, there are, a whole lot of of abortions being done every year, and Planned Parenthood, of course, is the largest provider of abortions in the United States. And in fact, um, according to statistics from the Guttmacher Institute, one out of four pregnancies in America ends in abortion.
0: Yeah, that's right, Quinn. I think it's important to understand that the stakes are so high in this debate, uh, regardless of whether you consider yourself pro-life or pro-choice. For example, Mm -hmm. uh, if the pro-choice view is correct, then women have a fundamental right to abortion, and pro-lifers are, you know, attempting to pass laws which are considered oppressive, uh, misogynistic, and they ultimately interfere with uh, a woman's right to her, uh, to her body or bodily autonomy. On the other hand, if the pro-life view is correct, then that means that since 1973, we have put death nearly 60 million uh, of the most vulnerable and defenseless members of the human community uh, in the United States alone. So that's nearly 3,000 every day or one abortion uh, every 30 seconds. So whether you consider yourself pro-life or pro-choice, this is often why this issue is so um, uh, contentious is because um, I think everyone in the debate realizes that the stakes are high. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, something else to keep in mind is in the church and the college campus, the stakes can be uh, just as high, if not higher. Uh, There was a 2015 survey by the pro-life organization CareNet a coalition of uh, pregnancy help centers and pregnancy care centers, And they found that 70% of women who have abortion identify as Christians, whether Protestants or Catholics, and 43% of post-abortive women who reported having attended church at least once per month at the time they had their abortion. And then also to keep in mind is the group that's most likely to have abortions is college-aged women, which is uh, on the college campus, Justice for All and Students for Life America and other groups like Center for Bioethical Reform are trying to reach mm-hmm. as college aged women make up the group most likely to obtain an abortion. A 2013 Center for Disease Control report found that women aged 20 to 24 make up 32.7% of abortions performed in the United States alone. Yeah,
2: that, that's actually um, something really good to, to note also is that. Um, is that yeah there are there is a, a large percentage of women who, who who identify as Christians who are having abortions and so it's not something that we should just ignore in the church as if you know these these, these uh, women believe in God so they they wouldn't dream of having abortions but the, the reality is that the emotions regarding abortions and and when women feel that there, there's no other choice the, the emotions can kind of run high and it can kind of override someone's rational faculties and so while they might believe in God they might seek an abortion as a way out. And so that's why it's very, very important for us to to have these pro-life presentations in our church. It's not something that we should just kind of um, ignore, because Christian women and girls will continue having them. And so, yeah, as, um, as Aaron mentioned, there have been over uh, 60 million abortions since Roe v. Wade was legalized in 1973. And of course, um, that doesn't include uh, pill-based abortions such as RU486. And in fact, it doesn't include all abortions in every state either, because some states like California, our home state, doesn't report all of the abortions that they do. So, so those statistics are likely uh, on, on the low side as well. Now, uh, we've, we've provided some of the, uh, some of the websites, the statistics from Guttmacher, Christian Post, and the CDC in the show notes as well, so you'll be able to, to look at those. So the first reason then, the, the stakes are just very, very high when it comes to abortion. But our second reason is that because a persuasive, logical defense of the pro-life position is rarely heard.
0: Yeah, and this is really unfortunate that I think oftentimes the pro-life view is sort of caricatured as a, you know, religious, fundamentalist, anti-science, uh, anti-woman uh, position. And I know, but you and I have both read uh, Dr. Willie Parker's recent book entitled Life's Work, and that's exactly mm-hmm. how he sort of characterizes the, the uh, pro-life <laughs> yeah. position throughout the book. Um, so each of us as, as pro-life advocates need to be equipped to engage. And so, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, our goal with this podcast is to present, you know, a well-reasoned, articulate, mm-hmm. and winsome case uh, for the pro-life view um, that is argued from both science and philosophy. Yeah, uh,
2: Willie Parker is certainly a, a piece of work. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, we, we've uh, we've talked about uh,
2: the possibility of talking about Parker's bo- uh, book here in the uh, podcast in the future. Yeah, uh, his, his idea, I mean, he, he says that, uh, pro-life people are only out to control women's bodies, which is a common thing that you hear. That's uh, one of the most common caricatures of the uh, uh, of pro-life people that you'll hear from pro-choice people who don't take pro-life people seriously. But Parker even goes beyond that. You know, Parker is a, a black doctor. He grew up in a, in a poor black family. And he, and he says that it goes even further in that uh, pro-life people are all just white people who are trying to make all of their women have as many babies as possible to keep them as the dominant race in the United States. So, yeah, that, that's, um, that, that's quite... Um, quite off the wall there. And we'll probably address that sometime in the future. So the main thing is that we're, you know, we're men, but men should not be prevented from speaking out on this issue. uh, It's either Frank Beckwith or Chris Kayser says, uh, actually, I believe it's Frank Beckwith. uh, Arguments don't have gender. People do. So forget what gender we may or
1: may not be. Address our arguments because there are women making the same arguments that we do. Yeah, you know, I mean, the thing to keep in mind is that an argument or idea is either going to be valid or invalid, sound or unsound. And it's our hope that the listening audience that you will be able to make a decision about your stance on this very important topic based on the reasons we provide and not based on our gender or skin color. To put it plainly, uh, being willing to change your mind on a controversial topic based on the evidence is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. I was listening to uh, Dr. Robert P. George recently, and he was saying that when talking with somebody who corrects us or wins an argument with us it's not that they've wronged us they've actually helped us have a more a better understanding of the world a more true understanding mm-hmm. of the world yeah. so people who disagree with us um can still be friends and they can help us out in the long run so our uh
2: second reason then uh, a persuasive logical defense of the pro-life position is rarely heard uh, and it's not just that it's rarely heard but uh often uh, especially in our con- con- uh, contentious uh university climate now uh, uh persuasive, logical defense of the pro-life position isn't even given a fair hearing. So that's why uh, even if college campuses such as CSU San Marcos are trying to prevent the pro-life view from being heard, it's, it's very important for us, uh, it, it's even more important for us to be talking about this with people that we know in our sphere of influence so that people can understand that we, that, we, that we have good arguments for being pro-life and we're not just out to oppress women. The third reason then is because scripture and the Great Commission require us to do so. Now, it's, it's important to keep in mind that being pro-life is consistent with our Christian religion or with a Muslim religion or, or whatever uh, religious idea you might, uh, you might have. It's consistent with, with that religion, but our pro-life views are not grounded in religion. Now, we can make a biblical case for the pro-life position, but considering that most of the people we interact with are not Christians, uh, well, we, we prefer to make a scientific and philosophical case. We, we prefer to make arguments that non-religious people can accept and, and agree with. And so we're going to be making those kinds of arguments on, on this podcast for the most part. We might occasionally touch on some biblical arguments if we feel the need arises. But for the most part, we're going to, uh, number one, you, use the science and philosophy for the pro-life position. And number two, we're going to be taking pro-choice people seriously, and we're going to take their ideas seriously. We're not planning on, on caricaturing them or in insulting them because we want this to be a podcast that anyone can listen to, and hopefully a pro-choice
0: person can listen and be challenged by it as well. Yeah, so even though we're going to be using science and philosophy, you know, Christian pro-life advocates also also appeal to uh, Scripture in the Great Commission um, as a reason for making a defense for the unborn. So one of the passages that is often looked at is uh, in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan and how we are shown in that passage that we are to love our neighbor. Mm -hmm. And this love is not just something that we do in thought, but uh, it's something that we do and we uh, act on. And so when it comes to the unborn who are in the womb, the question that we have to ask is, uh, is the unborn my neighbor?
3: Hmm. And
0: the answer to that question is yes, if the unborn are human beings. And if that's the case, then we have a responsibility to love and protect them and to defend their right to life. Right. Yeah. In fact, abortion choice advocates have in the past abused the Good Samaritan to make their own point.
2: Uh, This goes back as far as at least uh, Judith Jarvis Thompson, who wrote, her paper, A Defense of Abortion, back in 1972, in which she talked about how a woman who continues a pregnancy might be a good Samaritan, but it's not something that we should require of her to do. Parker even goes, you know, Willie Parker, uh, whose book we talked about, uh, even goes further than that and says that he is actually being a good Samaritan by giving women these abortions, because he was convinced by Martin Luther King Jr. talking about the good Samaritan in one of his speeches. And, uh, and so Parker was, you know, asking himself, how am I being a good Samaritan if I don't help these women? What will happen to these women if I don't give them abortions? And so Parker went even further than Thompson and said, yeah, I, I have to help these women if I'm going to be the good Samaritan. And it's also worth pointing out that, of course, non-religious people can be pro-life as well. For example, I have friends who are non-religious and also who, who are pro-life. For example, my friends in secular pro-life uh, with Kelsey Hazard as the president. Uh, religion then can inform somebody's pro-life views, but it's not that we ground our pro-life
0: views in religion. Yeah. So going back to what Willie Parker said real real quick, just this is something he does throughout his book is he just begs the question in uh, assuming that the unborn are not human beings. And so of course he has to, he has to answer the question, is the unborn my neighbor? Because if the unborn is our neighbor, then uh, loving our neighbor certainly can't include killing them. Right. Uh, But as you mentioned, uh, these, these arguments can't be, You know, the the science of philosophy and and, uh, everything else are used by secular pro-life advocates as well, and they they simply can't be dismissed as, you know, religious. Um, Both of you have already said that an argument is either, uh, you know, valid or invalid, sound or unsound. Yeah, and, you know, something else to keep
1: in mind is uh, since pro-lifers will make their case that the unborn are human beings, simply members of the human species, the species Homo sapiens, like the rest of us Mm are— Um, we'll make that case using the science of embryology and the science of fetology, the study of embryos and study of fetuses. Um, And just to keep in mind, uh, embryo and fetus is not is simply a term for a stage of development, just like child or adolescent is. And we will also use philosophy to argue that all humans have an inherent value. And anybody who challenges that position, who challenges the pro-life position, they have to use the science of embryology and fetology to establish that embryo, human embryos and human fetuses are not members of the human family. Yeah. And they also must use philosophical reasoning to demonstrate that born humans should be treated better than unborn humans and should have a greater right to life than unborn humans. They have to answer our arguments from science and philosophy using science and philosophy. Yeah. It's not enough to simply say, well, there are a number of religious people, and a number of religions that disagree with that.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, here's the thing. If the science is still valid, then we have to go with the valid evidence. We can't just dismiss it by saying people disagree
2: all right so yeah so we talked about the um, the three reasons why talking about abortion is so important especially in our, our current political climate is that because the stakes are so high because a persuasive logical defense of the pro-life position is rarely heard and because scripture and the great commission require us to do so uh hopefully you've uh, you found this this episode enlightening uh we would we'd actually really love to continue the conversation if you uh, you know we've started a, a facebook page for the podcast which, uh, which we'd love for you. If you happen upon this, uh, this podcast, through, through accident or through uh, someone's recommendation, we'd love for you to, to go onto Facebook, find us on Facebook. It's just Pro-Life Thinking, uh, at the Facebook page. And uh, we'll, we'll be posting all of our episodes up there, as well as posting them on iTunes. And we'd love to continue the conversation. If there's something you disagree with or just something you'd like to discuss more, uh, feel free to, to comment on those. So we, we'd really, we really appreciate you listening. Thank you for that. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Aaron and Nathan, for joining me. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and if if you if you uh, appreciate this this podcast, and uh, please share it with with people you know. Uh, go onto iTunes and rate it and review it. Also, if um, if if the Lord so leads you, leads you, or if you're non-religious, if if uh, if you feel so uh, inclined, uh, number one, there's that GoFundMe link where if uh, if you'd like to donate toward getting Mike Adams onto the campus to uh, give a presentation at CSU San Marcos, please go and donate to that. Uh, Also, um, this is going to be now a a weekly podcast that that we're going to be doing, and so it takes up a a good deal of time, as well as the fact that uh, we are, well, uh, I myself am a full-time pro-life advocate, and so this is something that I do full-time, and I subsist on generous support from financial supporters. And so if you'd like to support my work, you can go on to the, uh, the LTI website, which is www.prolivetraining.com and then find their, their button that says donate. It might be in the drop down menu up, up on top. Uh, And then if you feel like to give a one-time gift or become a regular supporter, I would greatly appreciate that. Just make sure you indicate in the notes that the support is going towards me so that they'll apply it to my, uh, to my account at LTI. Uh, And I would, uh, and I would thank you for that in advance. Now, the song that you heard at the intro was actually a song written by a band that I used to play with. Uh, I, I don't appear on, on the track or on their CD because I stopped playing with them uh, before they started recording. And they tried to get me into the studio to record, but it just never worked out because they always called me up on the day that uh, that I had rehearsal with another group I was playing with. But, uh, but if you'd be interested in getting that song or in getting the uh, CD... Then if you live locally to Fresno, you can find it at Majesty Bible House on the corner of Cedar and Herndon. Uh, otherwise, you can uh, you can send me an email and I would be happy to uh, to tell you how you can how you can get the co- the uh, a copy of the of the CD itself or of the song. Uh, my email address at LTI is Clinton at prolifetraining.com. And so uh, so I'm going to play the, the, the song that you heard in the intro in its entirety just so you can hear it and get an idea of what it sounds like to see if it's something that you'd like to to pick up. And so next week, then, uh, we're going to talk about framing the issue, why the central issue of abortion is on what, what is the unborn, what the nature of the unborn organism is. So that's going to be our, our next topic that we're going to talk about next week. So uh, from uh, Aaron, Nathan, myself at Pro-Life Thinking, we want to thank you again, and we will uh, see you in the next one.